Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about how divorce changes your self-concept, an interesting topic for anybody that has been divorced or separated or considering divorce or separation. I work with, obviously, a lot of people who are divorced or divorcing or considering divorce, as I work with a lot of people, you know, in their 30s, 40s plus, and that's around the time where people start thinking that their marital issues are not not fixable, you know, is once you have kids, been together for like around, you know, a decade, and you start to think if stuff hasn't worked out by now, then it may not ever work out, right? But before we get to that, um, I must tell you to subscribe. I have a lot of great subscriber content. Most recent episode was on the idea of marital coercion and what it is and isn't and uh, how to repair after marital coercion that did happen. Um, because while, yes, of course, everything can be subjective, telling somebody that they were retroactively coercive and then not, you know, empathizing with whatever they thought was going on is certainly not the way to make your marriage work because empathy is, is on both sides, irrespective of what framing is put onto anything retroactively, you know, such as a man being told that he wasn't romantic for the past 10 years, you know, w- would also possibly question that if, if he had never been told that before and uh, wasn't given any ways to fix it prior. But that's just getting into more of the content of that episode, so y'all should listen to it. So anyway, the key variable, um, the key change, rather, in in a divorced person's self-concept and their identity versus somebody who has not been divorced is that you know that you've made a bad mistake, right? And you really can't overstate how much this changes everything. Because so many people almost all people go through life trying to maintain an image that is, you know, good in some way where other people respect them and think that they make good choices and, you know, that they can tell themselves that they are try their best and they have generally overall had a good life and never, you know, necessarily are they confronted with evidence that they have made a bad choice. Of course, until your kids get older and teenage years, <laughs> then most people feel like they fuck some things up because, you know, your kids at that point don't behave in the ways that you may have thought you trained them to behave or whatever. But at least people in their 40s, let's say, who are and aren't divorced are kind of different, you know, because people have had marital issues, but if they've not gotten divorced, many people think that their marriage is great. Like people looking in say, oh, the Smiths, they're a good couple. And so Mr. and Mrs. Smith may be completely miserable, but they are usually tied in some way to the idea that at least some people think that they're a good couple. And overall, nobody can say about them that they have made any explicit glaring life mistakes. Nobody thinks like this. People don't say, oh, yes, another day that nobody thinks I've made a specific glaring life mistake, you know, but it's it's a real basic part of your self-concept to try to save face, you know, for humans and to try to have other people think about you positively. And when you've gotten divorced, you've made a mistake. You truly have. Nobody, literally nobody intends to get divorced. I mean, maybe there's some Lifetime movies where there's some you guy who's like 100 years old and a 20-year-old girl that marries him and she intends, well, she actually doesn't intend for him to get divorced. She intends for him to die and her to get the money in those uh, Lifetime movies or whatever. But nobody, nobody just tends to get, just tries to get divorced. Nobody stands up there at their wedding day and says, you know, this is good, but you know, it's really going to take the cake when we fucking split up. Nobody. So... The point is you've made a mistake. 
Now, certainly, for those of us who have been divorced and have children, you don't think the children are a mistake. You're, in fact, like when, yeah, in my group, my Facebook group that y'all should definitely join if you like to listen to me talk, because it's about, we all talk about similar topics. Everybody's a Dr. Psych Mom fan. This is my Facebook group. Click on the blue subscribe button on the Dr. Psych Mom Facebook page. It's $4.99 a month. But anyway, um, but the point is there was a thread about like, would you make a different choice in marrying your spouse? And it's interesting. I've noticed this. All the guys, guys are much more like kind of, I don't know, fact-based thinkers. And they think about it differently. When people say, would you go back and marry your ex-spouse again? All the women say yes to get my children. Because <laughs> that's the only way you could do it. Like if it was Back to the Future, remember the movie Back to the Future? Um, if you didn't marry your spouse, you couldn't have got your same exact children. But the men think differently. They think factually, like in as much as this time travel can be rational, they think, but I wouldn't know those specific kids. I wouldn't marry the woman. I would marry a different woman with whom I would be happy and not get divorced. And then I would have other children that I would love equivalently and never know about these children, right? Which makes more sense, right? But for women, myself included, you just cannot get over the hump of saying, but I wouldn't have those specific children, you know, uh, even though, of course, you wouldn't have known them and whatever. But so... So yes, if you've had children, at least most people could say, yes, I love my children very much, so therefore something good came out of the relationship. But yet, nobody intended to get divorced. So obviously you didn't make the right choice of partner. In, or you, you made a lot of fuck-ups along the way of the marriage, which led to the divorce. You know, both usually. Compatibility issues were a problem at the beginning eh, that you shoved under the rug. As we discuss in so many podcast episodes about why you would do that and who you're drawn to and Imago theory and, you know, drawn to somebody that you, you know, would want to change in ways you could never change your caregiver, et cetera, et cetera. And then also you fucked up along the way because you fought too much or you didn't bring up issues or you didn't focus on the marriage or whatever the case may be. Right. So at some point. If you got divorced, if you're a divorced person, you know you fucked up. And not only that, everybody knows you fucked up. So you can no longer try to be infallible. And you can no longer, like, act like every decision you made is good or that your advice necessarily would be great for everybody to listen to or anything. And you know what? For most people that I work with, and decidedly this is a sample of people who pursue therapy and therefore are more introspective than average, right? I'm more open-minded because especially if they come to see me in therapy, they definitely know they're going to get feedback. So these are people who not only pick therapy, but also pick me. But these people, and also myself personally, as I've been divorced, it can be liberating, right? You no longer have to pretend that you're perfect. So you could really try anything. You could try so many different things in your life because you don't have to worry what people will think. So so personally, right, so I got divorced, uh, shoot, what was it, 38 maybe? And um, yeah, man, I don't even remember. All right, thir around 38, right, I think, 37, remarried at 39, whatever. There was a year in between, 38, 39, something. I looked down, I got married because I have a tattoo on my wrist. I was remarried on March 15th, 2020. So, so it would have been 19 that I got divorced. And so anyway, um, so for me, previous to that, in my earlier 30s, when I had younger children, etc., I had thought, 
at some point, I no longer want to do this, about dyeing my hair some crazy color, like pink or something. So my daughter liked pink hair. She was a very little girl. And I thought I would do it, but I thought it would be so embarrassing. You know, I thought that would be so embarrassing. My clients would come and people would all, you know, think it was weird. It would look so weird and whatever. And that seemed like a really big deal, you know, like I wouldn't want to make a bad choice. Maybe I would think it was kind of fun or cute, but other people would think it was unprofessional or like bad or some, you know, whatever. So it was like something I thought about, like, like almost like, oh, I wish I could do that, you know, but I can't, you know, like that sort of feeling about things. Then, like, I got divorced, and I'm, like, a marital counselor, and I was like, holy shit, this is way worse, right, than pink hair. Pink hair doesn't mean that, like, you made a bad life choice, whereas, like, divorce definitely does, you know, at least in some way. Of course, it could have been the right decision to get divorced. People could think that, but then the marriage wasn't the right decision. Like, something's a bad decision, right? So, you know, then I was like, as soon as that happened, I was like, holy shit, like, nobody's going to want to see a divorced marital counselor. And this is, like, something that I'm in therapy, you know, therapist listservs and groups, and a lot of people think this, like, you know, as they get divorced or they have any sort of marital problems, they have this crisis of identity, like, why is anybody going to want to see me if I couldn't make my marriage work? Ironically, and I think as I'm saying this, that I've mentioned this in a podcast before, ironically, way more people wanted to see me. And I think that's because of what I'm talking about. Because if you have only seen a counselor who's been happy with their spouse, what the hell do they know? You know, it's like, it's like, you know, having like a part, if you've been raised dysfunctionally, having a partner that wasn't raised dysfunctionally, it's like, what the hell do they know about your crazy family? They can't possibly empathize. Whereas if somebody's been divorced, at least you gotta know that they understand marital dysfunction, right? So interestingly, more and more people reached out to me than less. But the point before is I never thought about the pink hair thing again. I was like, I could do that. I could do pink hair. I could do no hair. I could do whatever the fuck I want, really, because who cares, really? It did no longer seem remotely salient that, you know, some people might judge it because they had much bigger things to judge. And fuck it, can't do anything about that. So who cares about the rest of it? And I see this same sort of uh, motif in Many of my divorced clients, if not all, all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I could kind of do whatever I want. You know, obviously it didn't work to try to do the normal, what society tells you to do is find the right person, get married, stay together no matter what. You know, that didn't work. So shit, I mean, what else doesn't work? There must be a bunch of other norms and mores that I was raised with to think were, you know, unchangeable and something I definitely had to adhere to that also don't work for me. You know, and I should really re-examine a lot of the ways that I've been living and see what works and what doesn't because people can judge me no matter what. And many people have started to judge me already. A person would think, you know, because as I've discussed, you lose a lot of friends in divorce. Both genders do. And I have a whole podcast about that and post so I don't have to get into it. But anyway, since people judge me, then I might as well live the life that I want to live. I might as well live in a way that's consistent with my own beliefs and values. And this also happens with remarriage. People frequently marry somebody that would be unexpected. So while there's this ridiculous concept on the manosphere of hypergamy that women are always trying to, you know, uh, marry an even richer guy and date even richer and richer men all the time, that's like the opposite of what I see. 
You know, I see that women finally, like, just marry who they love and who they get along with versus anything about thinking if he has a good job or if parents are going to like him or if he's the right height or, like, anything. You know, and, um, of course, you know, like, on the men's side, it's the same sort of thing. So a lot of women will be like, oh, but, you know, I would never have expected him to marry that woman. She's, like, so, like, not traditional. So, like, we had a traditional life. I was a stay-at-home mom. He wanted to be me to be a stay-at-home mom. He was working all the time. But now he remarried somebody at work, and, like, they're, like, splitting the childcare evenly. You know, they, it's, it's, like, a totally different thing. Yeah, that guy married somebody he's more compatible with. He was probably raised to think he should have a wife who's a stay-at-home mom. And in fact, he gets along with somebody totally different and he's allowing himself to do that, you know, to just marry who he wants to marry now versus what he thinks he's supposed to do. So divorcing gets rid of this idea that like you're supposed to be somebody that people find to be acceptable uh, in all these different ways and that that should be the primary goal of your life is to be thought of as acceptable and to be approved of because so many people don't approve of the divorce that it's like kind of exposure therapy. You're like... Well, I was so scared of people's approval and now like all these people literally didn't approve because it happens when you get divorced. Many people and your friends, family, et cetera, don't approve. And then if you date, they don't approve. And then if you marry, they don't approve and don't approve, don't approve. So you get used to it, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, I guess some people are going to approve. Some people aren't. But how I get one life. So guess I'm going to do what I want, you know, and as long as I don't hurt anybody and as long as I'm a good person in whatever way that matters to me, I guess this shit doesn't matter as much about what people think. And this is when people try to actually transition careers or have different sorts of relationships with their children, you know, more authentic or take up hobbies that they never thought that they could take up or any sort of any number of things, you know. People change a lot more after divorce because finally they can. It's like they broke the seal of this, um, you know, uh, obsession with others' approval. That is totally normal, totally normal human thing. And you never even really think about it till you're out of it. Because most people, you know, they do what their parents want. Then they do what their boss wants. Then they do what society wants and what their spouse wants. And then finally, they stop, you know, if they get divorced, they're like, well, shit, I'm just gonna do what I want. You know, I'm gonna do what's best for me and my children. And I don't necessarily care as much about if it meets these certain criteria that other people in my life have. And people that were particularly enmeshed with their parents and really into their parents approval, if their parents do not approve of the divorce, it could be extremely liberating for them because then they're like, oh, guess I'm not the perfect kid. So I guess I can actually live for me now instead of living for you. And that is obviously going to be a superior way to live (laughs) in terms of feeling like your real self for most adults is to live for yourself versus to live for your parents. So anyway, it's an interesting topic to think about. And it's why when people are divorced, they um, become friends with other people who are divorced. You know, it's it's like anything. It's like once you've been through it, just like combat vets, make friends with combat vets. You know, and I'm no way, <laughs> I'm not at all saying a divorce is similar to having been in combat. I used to work with combat vets at the VA. That's why I think about it. Because one guy said to me, well, I can't say anything about what happened to you because I would only talk about that to somebody who had experienced it. And Interestingly, over time, we got close and he did share things with me. But at first, it's a very, very strong feeling that you should not share with anybody who has not gone through it because they wouldn't understand. And a little version of that is for people who have divorced. It's kind of like 
they don't think necessarily that people who have not been divorced would understand as well as people who have, which is the same as anybody who's gone through anything, parents and non-parents, uh, widows, non-widows, anything, health, people with health issues, other people with health issues, etc. So anyway, I thought this was an interesting topic, certainly one that would be interesting for you to bring up in therapy if you are in therapy and considering divorce or going through divorce, something for people to introspect about, how has your divorce or how would a divorce change your life? Um, if that's something that you're considering, I certainly do not think this is the only way to self-actualize far from it. Many people have similar epiphanies about how they're not going to do what other people think within the context uh, of remaining married, or they transform their marriage into what Esther Perel calls marriage 2.0. They try to have a totally different marriage and couples counseling can really help with that. That's another one, by the way. Interestingly, a little version of this is going into couples counseling. It's like you were saying your marriage was good. You were saying it was too good to need therapy. It was so good. It didn't need therapy. It was fine. It didn't need therapy. It's okay. Still doesn't need therapy. It's not great, but at least we don't need therapy. And then, oh, I guess we do need therapy. (laughs) And at that point, you can't really be on your high horse anymore about being perfect because you're not perfect. You need marital counseling. And at that point, even that small change small versus like fully getting divorced is enough to open people up to trying new things because shit as I say to most people Matt you know that are in my office I say well things can't be going that great right because otherwise you wouldn't be talking to me so let's actually talk about the issues because a lot of people in their first sessions especially they try to save a lot of face they try to just tell me how great the marriage is I'm like man this is an expensive way to tell somebody how great your marriage is you know why don't we actually focus on why you're here So, you know, once you have to say, yes, I'm in marital counseling, then you can crack yourself open to looking deeper at how you'd like to change and which of these things that you're doing is working for you and not. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you all soon. Have a great day.